With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Dive in on Gotta Watch the Tape from Cleveland.com. Who knew we'd ever be here? It's Friday, Doug Maurice, Ellis Williams, Scott Patsko, and we're breaking down Cleveland Browns and the Kansas City Chiefs. AFC playoffs on Sunday. Make sure you go back and listen to our Wednesday pod where Scott and Ellis each broke down a side of the Chiefs and told you everything you need to know from a personnel standpoint, sort of what the Chiefs do and how they do it. The pod today is how the Browns attack it. So we don't need to tell you necessarily, you know, who the Browns are. You know that by now. But how? How do they go about winning the game in the second half? Ellis Williams will talk about the Browns defense going up against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. But first, Scott Pasco's going to talk about the Browns offense and what they can do against this Chiefs defense. They, you know, they have some issues, maybe. What's the right plan? What's the right way for the Browns to do it? Scott Pasco, dive in on Gotta Watch the Tape. Right, so there's a school of thought that says the Browns should run the ball, keep possession, control the clock, keep the ball away from Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs offense. We've, we've heard this from our Football Insider subscribers. Uh, I've seen it on Twitter, gotten at least one all-caps email on this subject about how the Browns need to feed Chubb and Hunt the ball. After all, the one game the Chiefs lost this season with their starters was Week 5 to the Raiders. They lost time of possession, too, in that game, 35 minutes to 24. The Raiders rushed 35 times for 144 yards in that game. But that hasn't been proven to be the formula against the Chiefs. Over the second half of the season, there was that seven-game stretch that, that people have talked about, and we've talked about it here, where the Chiefs won seven games by one score. They lost time of possession in four of them. In two others, they won time of possession by three minutes or less, so it was basically even. Earlier in the season, the Chargers had possession for 39 minutes against the Chiefs. The Chiefs had it 28 minutes. The Chargers led 17-6 to six in the third quarter, and they still lost. But time really isn't a good indicator. Anyways, what we're really talking about here is number of possessions. It's about keeping the ball, limiting possessions by the Chiefs. The Athletic broke down that scenario uh, earlier this season. They took a look at all of Patrick Mahomes' losses, or at least all the losses by the Chiefs in the games that he actually played, and there's nine of them. The average number of possessions in those games was 11.1 for the Chiefs. Opponents, it was 11.3. So it's basically even the league average last season was 11.2. So you could look at that and say, okay, keeping the Chiefs close to the average works, but the Chiefs still averaged 31.3 points per game in those losses. 
and they gave up 36.2 points. So you need to score a lot of points to beat the Chiefs. That's basically, uh, I think, the takeaway there. The Athletic also had a model uh, where they measured how much passing contributes to win probability against the Chiefs versus running. And as you might expect, passing uh, nearly twice as productive than running against the Chiefs. That's pretty much what you hear from most analytics uh, folks anyways, that passing is more efficient way to, to score the ball than, than running. That seven-game stretch against the Chiefs this season, the, the rushing totals in those games against the Chiefs, 194, 89, 75, 179, and then 80, 60, and 90. So that's five teams below 100 yards rushing in, uh, in that seven-game, one-score one stretch. Uh, the Panthers and the Broncos were the two that, that broke 100. Passing yardage against the Chiefs in those seven games, 331, 275, 342, just 151 for the Broncos, but then 287, 225, 277. So teams weren't racking up a bunch of rushing yards and keeping those games close. They were passing uh, and scoring. The Chiefs defend the pass better than they do the run. As we pointed out on Wednesday's pod, they're 16th in DVOA against the pass, 31st against the run. But one other thing we also pointed out was that the Chiefs have been hurt by explosive passing plays this season, ranking ninth in, in allowing them in pass rate. So Limiting possessions can force the Chiefs to be more efficient on offense. It can force anybody to be more efficient on offense. What you're also doing is limiting your own possessions and ramping up the need for efficiency on your own offense. So, again, it comes really back to scoring. The Chiefs average 30 minutes of possession per game, the 32 seconds less than the Browns, so they're basically even. But they lead the league in yards per drive and are second in offensive drive success rate. So they're doing more with that than most teams. You need to score points to beat the Chiefs. I'm not necessarily saying the Browns need to come out and chuck the ball down the field and every possession, but pounding the ball with a run game uh, with the idea that Mahomes standing on the sideline is going to lead to a win really hasn't been proven to work. Is there, how do I say this? Is there one of any idea that this got that's like, okay, well, sure. Take your numbers, but Nick Chubb that like, is this art the way that, that the, uh, we're not disputing that. We're not disputing anything you just said, but it's like are, are Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, the exception to the rule. Like, so because what we're talking about here, Scott, is how the Browns should attack it. If you were Kevin Stefanski analyzing the same stuff that you're analyzing, and I'm sure they have 10 Scott Patsko's in that building doing just that. Would you take it and say, OK, like, that's the conclusion I come to. This is not how people have done it. Or do you say, I don't care? You know what I mean? Like, you know what I'm getting at? I don't know. There's an exception to every rule. Is this it? Or is this valuable stuff that Stefanski uh, and Alex Van Pelt on this team has to keep in mind? I don't think the Chubb and Hunt really change it, I guess is the, the easy answer there. Because no matter who you have a running back, you're still operating. Uh, if, you, if, you're, if you're going into the game thinking, all right, we need to keep possession of the ball in order to win this game, you're still saying that we need to produce – long time consuming drives and not just that we need to score at the end of those drives. And so you're putting yourself in this box of, you have to do both those things simultaneously. And that's really hard to do because you have two running backs who are really good at breaking open, breaking off big runs. You're not going to tell this is a situation where you're in the first quarter. You're going to tell Nick Chubb to duck out of bounds at the 15 yard line after he gains 50 yards, because, Hey, we want to tack a few more plays onto this drive the best way to beat the chiefs is to score a lot of points. And if that, you know, if that's passing, if they determine that that's, that's a balance, if they determine that running more is the way to do that, whatever, but you need to score a lot of points. It isn't about keeping Patrick Mahomes off the field. 
Do you agree they with can, that? You put together a, I'm sorry, you can put together a 10-play drive, and then they come out and one bomb to Tyreek Hill, and, and they've, they've evened up the score. They, that's how explosive their offense is. And we have talked a little bit this week about that Giants game where the Browns did have the long drives. Ellis, where are you on the side of this generally? Is it more that, yeah, try to outscore them? That's basically the philosophy. Or do you disagree to some degree? Do you think sort of long drives win the time of possession when a lower scoring game is the better overall strategy? I think there's a lot of truth and a lot of success that can be duplicated from that Giants game, as we've talked about on Wednesday. To Scott's point, what I'm hearing is really this Browns offense should be able to get what they want to against the Chiefs. Because to Scott's point, you can put together a 10 and 11 play drive, but if the Browns go down there and kick a field goal, you know, that's gonna, those, they're going to lose that football game. Just like if they go allow you know one touchdown and one play to Tyree Kill, those are recipes for disaster. So when you when the stakes are this high in in the final eight of a, of an NFL football season, it is about taking the best route possible to scoring those points. And for the Browns, it's really been what they've been doing this whole second half of the season. I mean, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt are the engine that drive this thing really behind the offensive line. I think that is what this Kevin Stefanski's unit is, is about is bully ball up front. But from what Scott just laid out there, it sounds like to me that Kevin Stefanski is going to be able to run the ball when he wants to. He's going to be able to shake it up and go in empty and throw when he wants to, because both, you know, they're an average pass defense. And then, you know, the, the EPA expected on pass plays is Trump's out of, of running plays. So that's going to be in their game plan. And they're probably going to be a 50, 50 team on Sunday being able to get what they want to. I think that bodes really well for the Browns compared to some other matchups we've seen where it's like, uh, maybe they should just really focus on only running and they still come out and don't do that. You know, Pittsburgh had this frightening defense and Baker Mayfield wasn't hit or sacked once, and they, they really got what they wanted to. Um, 40-yard touchdown to Jarvis Landry, one to Austin Hooper. It, this sounds like a defense that Kevin Stefanski is going to be able to look at and pull his punches when he wants to act like they're just running this ball and then take those deep play-action shots when those are there too. Yeah, the, the, there's a thing that um, I, I like a lot of the matchups for the Browns offense versus – the Kansas city defense, but there's one thing in particular that I wonder about. So I'll, I'll save that for later because Scott, you're going to sort of break this down a little bit more. Let's start with the pass game. What exactly, how is this passing attack going to look? How are they going to go about it against the chiefs? So against the Steelers last week, remember the Browns game plan was to have Baker get rid of the ball faster uh, than normal. And he ended up doing it faster than he had all season. It's time to throw his 2.3 seconds, which is well below his league high of three, three seconds uh, per drop back. So it negated the Steelers pass rush and his intended air yards against the Steelers was just 6.8. He had averaged 8.4 in the regular season. So it was a big difference. Chiefs defense doesn't really demand that their pass rush isn't like that, but the scheme itself could pay off for other reasons. Austin Hooper led the Browns with 11 targets against the Steelers. Jarvis Landry was next with eight. Nick Chubb had four catches on four targets, which is, Uh, the second most active game he's had this year as a pass catcher. All three of those guys, along with Kareem Hunt, could be big parts of the Browns passing game uh, in their game plan. And that would be, I think, a smart way to go because uh, some of the deficiencies that the Chiefs have on defense. Let's start with Hooper, who I think a key will be trying to get him matched up with Daniel Sorensen, the Chiefs free safety. 
Sorensen has really struggled in, in coverage against tight ends this season. He's been in coverage 32 times uh, and has the third most targets among safeties uh, against tight ends. He's allowed 17 catches on 24 targets of 71% for 220 yards, which is second most uh, among safeties when matched up against tight ends this season. He does, uh, he has a, gave up a TD and does have a pick, but he has no pass breakups. And uh, I think we probably mentioned on Wednesday his PFF coverage grade is 58.5 this season. Um, it's not Andrew Sandejo territory. Uh, he does have three picks, but it's a matchup I think the Browns can exploit, and it works better for them than, say, Hooper on uh, uh, Hooper covered by uh, Tyron Matthew. Um, but moving Hooper or Njogu or Bryant around and looking for that matchup, I think it's something you probably see from the Browns on Sunday. Uh, also, the Chiefs have given up the eighth most receptions. They're in the top, top third of the league there in, in receptions uh, allowed by tight ends. Uh, they've given up the fifth most yards to opposing tight ends. Nine TDs also in the top ten. So like the Browns, they've had their issues covering tight ends this season. Darren Waller of the Raiders had a really good season. Uh, he had five catches on five targets. Uh, four of those were first downs. He also had a touchdown in his two matchups against, against the Chiefs. And those were two games where the Chiefs defense really uh, had a lot of issues trying to stop the Raiders. But getting Chubb and Hunt active in the passing game, I think, is also important. The Chiefs linebackers do not excel in coverage. They do not have great speed. Um, they have a lot of limitations that we saw from the Browns linebackers, especially early in the season. And the Browns have really ramped up their, their screen game over the second half of the season. Uh, and that's a weapon you could see come out again against the Chiefs. Uh, the Browns are only 19th in running back screen attempts this season. They have 19. But since week seven, they're seventh. They've had 14 of their attempts since week seven. And they are first in yards gained on screens over the second half of the season with 153. And we remember the big screen play to Chubb against the Steelers. That was a huge play uh, last week. If the chiefs try to bring an extra defender into the box to stop the run, that's something they did in their second meeting against the Raiders after the Raiders gashed for 144 yards. The first time this could cause vulnerability, obviously in the middle of the field where Landry can help look at the, the routes he normally runs. That, that's where he lives. And really, he really uh, hurt the Steelers. All his catches either came, you know, behind the line of scrimmage or in the middle of the field in that game. Once you get the ball to players like Landry and Chubb and Hunt in space, then you look for big plays to happen against this Chiefs defense because they don't tackle well. They have the ninth most tackles or missed tackles in the in the league this season. PFF ranks them 20th in tackling grade. One game the Browns should really take note of, though, is the Chiefs against the Saints in Week 15. Chiefs won that game 32-29. The Chiefs pulled back on their pass rush and really dropped linemen into coverage. Uh, more than, than they have all season. And we've seen Baker Mayfield have issues with that this season. He's thrown a couple of picks when linemen have kind of dropped into, into areas he wasn't expecting. Chiefs did that to the Saints because they knew Breeze would get rid of the ball quick, similar to how Baker did last week. Breeze was just 15 of 34 passing in that game. And I know it was his first game back uh, after injury, and he didn't have Michael Thomas, but it's Drew Breeze. He completes over 70% of his passes. So that technique seemed to work on him. Uh, despite being in nickel for most of that game, the Chiefs held the Saints to 60 yards rushing. The Saints did have to pass after falling behind a little bit in the second half. But again, they're only averaging three and a half yards per carry in that game. So that that uh, that scheme worked, even though the the Saints or even though the Chiefs were in nickel for most of the game. So that's a quick passing game, an explosive running back that the Chiefs got past for a win. It could be part of the solution for them this week against the Browns. But I still like the matchups that the Browns have especially with tight ends and getting those running backs involved in the passing game so one of the things I, that's been mentioned is that the chiefs do give up a lot of explosive passing plays 
right? That that's by the numbers they do that. And they don't give up many explosive running plays. The fact that the Browns aren't necessarily geared right now, right, to be an explosive passing offense, is that anything here that, man, if they just had, if the Browns had one more, had OBJ to take a top off the defense, would that, how much of a game changer would that be here, Scott? Or do you believe, all right, well, the Chiefs are vulnerable to that, but they're vulnerable to all these other things that you just outlined too, and that what the Browns do best in the passing game absolutely can work against this Chiefs defense. Well, if you go back to that that uh, that second Raiders game against the Chiefs, where they were kind of crowding the line more, they had one safety high, and they got beat on some deep throws in that. They got beat on more, I guess, deeper throws in the first game, um, but they still card still uh, made them pay for that. And you're right, the Browns don't have the kind of deep threats that the Raiders have. I guess it remains to be seen how how that would work. We've seen Donovan Peoples Jones kind of. Go into that role. You get Kaderil Hodge back this week. I know, you know, he's fast. <laughs> um, you could you could see if he can stretch things out. But I think if if the Chiefs try to stack the box and really shut down the run game, you don't necessarily have to really stretch the field if the Chiefs are playing with one safety back. You're just going to have a little more room to work with anyway. So I don't know if it really comes down to whether or not they're missing that that speedy guy on the outside. Do you think they need to take a couple shots, Ellis? Or or is it more important to stay on stay on schedule, move the chains, and don't worry about, you know, making them pay for single high safety or anything. Just do what you do. Scott makes a good point. Like if they are playing single high, there's ways that the Browns have and this is going to be a, a offseason dive, but there's ways the Browns have manipulated heavy boxes into their favor this year. And it has everything to do with playing Baker Mayfield in empty sets an empty shotgun, no running back spread defenses out, force them to, you know, play your two or three, even three tight ends at times on the field, but you're in an obvious passing formation, despite having two or three tight ends, thus linebackers safeties are on the field and you have mismatches with Austin Hooper or, you know, that, that third down last week in Pittsburgh, Jarvis Landry, ran an option route against a linebacker. It wasn't even close. You know, a, a pivotal down was probably one of the easiest completions of the game because of the way I know Kevin Spancy wasn't on the sideline that game, but the way this Browns offense is able to really just manufacture and dictate what defenses do, even when they think they're in the base they want to be in. So are the shots going to be there? I think they are. I think they have a chance for Jarvis Landry to win at times uh, with some deeper slot looks. I don't know if you want to risk throwing, you know, two or three deep shots to Donovan Peoples-Jones or Kaderil Hodge in a game where every possession and really every snap is going to be so important. I really like what Scott brought up about <clears throat> the Saints game because that's the one wrinkle that I think is waiting for the Browns to maybe slip up on is a defense doing something that they don't expect. Because as of right now, Kevin Stefanski's had an answer for the Ravens and he's had an answer for the Steelers because those guys are just going to run what they run because they're so confident their athletes are better than yours. And the past two times, even though the Browns lost that game, you know, putting 40 on a Ravens defense, that's a, that's a win for the offense. And then, of course, what they were able to do with the Steelers last week. So I just wondered, you know, it's playoff football. If, if they come out and do implement that game plan and in a way catch the Browns off guard, I think it's a really good thing to keep an eye on. And I'm glad Scott brought it up. It does feel like that, that a punt 
matters, right? Like if a, a series where, so it's one of those, you come out on first down and you take a shot and it's not there. And now you're behind the chains. And it's like, well, we could have just, we could have thrown the ball to Austin Hooper for six yards on first down. Why did we do that? Now we run on second down. Now it's third and seven. And we've done ourselves in because we took a shot that maybe our offense isn't really designed to take. Why did we bother? Because here it is in the middle of the second quarter, we're trading scores. And this punt in the middle of the second quarter is a, a huge change of momentum. So there's going to be a lot of uh, decision-making for Kevin Stefanski. It's going to, it's going to feel awesome this whole game, because what you just said, Ellis, I think it's going to be true. Like every snap is going to be gold. There is nothing. When you play an offense this good, you can't throw anything away. So every false start, every holding penalty, every drop, every great catch, every time Kareem Hunt is stacked up behind the line, but he gets four yards instead of one because he refuses to be tackled. Like every play is going to matter so much. I think it's going to be Browns fans. This whole game are just going to have a knot in their stomach because, you know, second and six instead of second and nine is a huge deal in a game like this because it changes every facet about the next down and everything about that down changes the series and everything about that series changes the game. Oh, I'm getting excited. Oh, I love when get got to watch the tape gets me excited. <laughs> All right. So here's, so now the run game, Scott, cause here's the opposite side. The thing that I just was, is in my head about the chiefs. Okay. So they give up big pass plays, but the Browns aren't really designed to do that. But the Chiefs don't give up explosive run plays, which the Browns lead the NFL in. So now you're going to dive in on the run game, and I'm very curious about that aspect of it. And here's the thing. I love the numbers. I love all this stuff. But the thing that like, I don't know is, do they not give up explosive run plays because their, des their defense is designed for that and they're great at stopping it? Or do they not give up explosive run plays because they're ahead, teams have to throw? You don't, you know what I mean? Like, is it circumstance that leads to that? But that is in my head because to me, that's what, you know, again, we've said that a million times. That's what the Browns do better than anything. Explosive run plays is their bread and butter, but the Chiefs don't give that up. So tell me about how they're going to attack in the run game, Scott. One more quick thing before I get to that. One more quick thing about the deep passing. So I didn't want to bring this up. And then Derek Carr is not like, the key to unlocking the chiefs. I'm not saying that, but he's getting a lot of attention this week, just because of the way he's played against chief defense two times car in deep passing 20, 20 yards or more downfield this season, his adjusted completion percentage, 53.3, 10 touchdowns, two picks, 117.4 passer rating Baker in deep passing 51.8 adjusted completion percentage. So basically the same, the, the attempts are basically the same too. 56 and 60. Baker's got six touchdowns, three picks, a 109.2 passer rating. So they are really similar in what they've accomplished uh, from that aspect. Mayfield obviously doesn't have the same weapons that Carr has, but he he has had, I guess, a similar level of success overall this season um, for whatever that's worth. If uh, <laughs> if you're holding a lot of hope on, the, on those Raiders performances, thinking that that's the kind of thing the Browns can do, Baker has shown that he can uh, kind of do what, what Carr has accomplished. So um, as for the run game, the Browns are going to see an eight-man box. We know that because that's what they always see, but it doesn't always work great. Uh, Hunt has faced an eight-man box 31.3% of the time, which is ninth most in the league this year. Chubb is at 31%, which is 11th. Um, nobody above them has anywhere near the amount of carries that they got. So they're kind of really they're in a, in a spot by themselves there. 
uh, has an eight-man box work. Chubb is fourth in the league this year in rushing yards against an eight-man box, 306 yards. That includes 208 yards after contact. And we all know that, you know, that pretty much tracks with what we've seen from Nick Chubb. He's good at yards after contact. Um, that's third best. Against an eight-man box, he's tied for a league-high eight broken tackles, has 19 first downs, and he's averaging 5.6 yards per attempt. Uh, Hunt is a little below that. He's only averaging 3.8 yards, um, but he's still got 236 of his yards against an eight-man box. If you look at eight or more, because it's not always just eight, sometimes it's nine, sometimes it's even more than that. Against an eight or a box of eight men or more, Chubb is fourth in rushing yards, 68 carries for 368 yards. That's a 5.4 yards per carry average. So again, he's having success there. Hunt is fifth. He's averaging 3.8 yards. Chubb has 27 first downs against a box with eight or more people in it. Hunt has 19. The Chiefs, like I said, have used defensive backs on the edges to try to guard against running backs getting to the outside. But again, that leaves them kind of with one safety. Um, Matthew has been a guy who's been in the box and then the snap will happen and he will drop. He's very quick and versatile and he's able to make that kind of thing happen. But if it's a deal where he drops and the Browns do run, then that, that works in their favor too. So he's kind of sometimes in a guessing game and having to figure out what to do. Um, but they did that in the second game against the Raiders after giving up the 144 yards. The Raiders had just 89 yards rushing in the second game, but Derek Carr threw for 277 yards and three touchdowns. Um, and, of course, they still lost. The Chiefs might feel that that's the way to go in this game because the Browns don't have the burners that the Raiders do, and also because the Browns – are at their best when they're running behind their tackles and around the edge. The Chiefs actually defend one side of the field pretty well. Uh, when they're faced with runs behind left tackle, they've given up 3.19 yards per attempt, which is fifth best in the league. But if you look to the other side of the field, uh, right tackle, they're 31st in yards allowed. Uh, around right end, they're 27th. And around left end, if you keep going out wide past the tackle, they're 22nd. Uh, the Browns, meanwhile, are ranked 12th in right tackle yards, first in right end yards, eighth in left end yards, or second in left tackle yards. In other words, they're pretty much good wherever they want to run. Uh, they're 14th up the middle, which doesn't really differentiate between guards and, and, and centers. But you know that Joel Petonio and Wyatt Teller are two of the best run blocking guards in the league. And uh, Treader's 12th among centers in run blocking grades. So, again, any direction uh, the Browns have had success, but to the right, could be even better for them in this game. The Browns are going to do what they do in the run game. They don't need to scheme a creative plan of attack with Chubb and Hunt. The Chiefs need to prove they can stop what the Browns do. You know, unlike the other side uh, of this conversation that Ellis is going to get to uh, in the second half of this podcast, where the Browns kind of have to have some answers, the Browns are going to do what they do. And the Chiefs need to either sell out to stop the run or take their chances on the back end. And whatever the Chiefs do decide, decide, that's going to leave the Browns an opportunity to exploit something, whether it's one-on-one matchups in the passing game or it's, you know, a blocking numbers advantage uh, in the run game. Uh, so things are, they're in a good position on offense. They know that they can have success doing multiple different things. They know that there are things they can attack uh, whether they run or pass against the chiefs and the chiefs are the ones who kind of have to need to figure out how they're going to stop that. Is one of the reasons that the Browns run game works the way it does, which is sometimes they get stopped early, you know, They'll get one yard, two yards. Sometimes they're not super consistent with the medium chunks, but then they pop something big. Is it because they face so many eight-man boxes that if the eight-man box works, they get stuffed? And then if they pop something, there's not guys like like in the second level to get them because the safety's up, and all of a sudden they're running 60 yards. Is that why that works that way? 
I think it works so well because you have two running backs who are elite at avoiding tackles and breaking tackles. You know, it was two years ago, I think Chubb, when he almost won the rushing title, he had the least amount of yards per carry before contact, which means that he was doing a lot of work on his own to make sure he got yards. Whereas uh, in Denver, guy's name escapes me. Uh, they're made back two years ago. And one, I think he was the undrafted free agent. Um, Philip Lindsay? Yes. Did he win the rushing title that year? Or no, he had a really great year. Anyways, he, he led the league by far in yards before contact. So his offensive line was, was doing tons of help for him, whereas Nick Chubb was at the other end of that spectrum and not getting as much help. And I think having him, uh, having guys like that and, and Hunt who's similar, that's a big reason why the Browns are able to have success you know, when teams know that they're going to run it. So let me ask this. Then, is I'm trying to figure out where we are at this Browns offense at this point. And, and I, I have a terrible memory, so I apologize if this is wrong. But it does feel like at times this year, particularly when it was like the Ravens and the Steelers, when they're facing a good defense, we all know what the Browns do. They've evolved over the course of the season, but we have an idea, right? This is how they operate. That when you talk about, well, here come the Ravens or the Steelers, it's like, well, can they do their thing? Well, the Steelers are going to make this harder. The Ravens are going to make it difficult to do this. And what you're presenting here, Scott, there's a lot of stuff that you presented here that makes it sound like the Browns have multiple options to move the ball and score some points on this team. Is Would you be saying what you said against most defenses the Browns would face at this point? That like this is where this offense is at this point? That it they can run and pass, they have a great plan, they have skill guys, and they can probably move the ball most of the time or how much of a function of this is that the, the Chiefs defense is just is okay. It's not better than okay. And that's really changing the discussion and making this sound sort of very positive for the Browns offense. Obviously, it's both. Which one is it more? You know, if you ask me that question in week eight, uh, I might say, you know, we'd be talking about how, well, they got to prove it against the Raider, Ravens and the, and the Steelers. I think after the wild card game, I would probably say yes. Seeing them move the ball against the Steelers, I think – you know, showed that they can move the ball multiple ways against an elite defense. So I would, I would say, yeah, I mean, there's, they're an elite offense and, and we should point out that I, I know he said Chubb and Hunt breaking tackles and, and being elusive is a big part of this, but also having elite blockers on the offensive line is a big part of it, uh, especially on the interior that you put those two together and, you know, yeah. I, I mean, at this point, I think they've proven that they can move the ball against anybody. Where are you on that Ellis? Yeah, this offense is hit its ceiling because its floor isn't that far away from it. And I, I hope that makes sense. And what I mean by it is – and it hit, it, hits, it hits ceiling for this year. Like, I don't want anyone to think I say that and I'm, they're like, oh, and then next year there's regression or they can't do better than this. It, it is a year-by-year -year basis. And I'm saying this version of the Browns offense has hit its ceiling in the fact that Aside from the one Donovan Peoples-Jones 75-yard touchdown, was, which was just a suspect corner making a terrible decision, this offense scores by moving the ball, taking what's there. As cliche as that is, it is what they do. They see what you show them, and then they'll go to the weakness of that, of that defense. Point case, the Ravens game, as soon as the Ravens have a weak corner, they know to exploit that what that takes is Baker Mayfield never being wrong. And we've gone from Baker Mayfield wondering if he's going to throw an interception to Baker Mayfield, not even picking the wrong receiver 
in his drop back game. And the, the few times he does like the um, Austin Hooper touchdown in week 17 that he missed the first time he came back and got it later. So this is about Kevin Stefanski knowing how to get what he wants. And then Baker Mayfield making the right decisions time and time again. But the way this can slip up on an offense like this, that isn't, it, I don't, I don't, like, I don't want to say they're not explosive or not dangerous because they are, but where this can go wrong for an offense that is so predicated on just being right every single time is think about the Giants game. One of those first drives, they went like 10 plays and then on fourth down went for it, right decision, and then just a batted ball at the line of scrimmage, ended the drive. And that was that. No points to show for it. And back to the uh, week 17 when Baker Mayfield missed Austin Hooper, he went to David Njoku and they, they, it didn't work out and they kick a field goal there. So it's just those split seconds. Like if you, you have to be right every single time. And when you're not the, the offense eventually pays for it, but considering they're firing at like what feels like a 94% accuracy clip right now, it's, it's one of the best offenses in football. How did we get here? I know. Go back and listen to the beginning of the year. It's unbelievable. I sw- we, we were thought Baker Mayfield might get, Benched if he had a bad half against the Bengals after the Steelers loss. Yeah, it's they're just rolling. Oh, and here they are, and here they Martin. are. All right, I got a whole thing at the end. I'm going to say because it's it's it uh, crystallized in my head there just now. But again, great, I love it. Great breakdown, Scott. Anything you want to add here before you wrap up your thoughts on how the Browns' offense should attack here? Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to burn my final thought here because I did want to mention this. I, I'm, I'm never sure if you're going to give us a final thought or not, you know, so I I'd like to keep you guessing now. The Chiefs are ninth in blitz percentage this season at 35.6%, but ramping up the blitz might not be the best strategy against Baker. He's completed 65% of his passes when blitz this season, eight touchdowns, three picks. He does have one of the worst completion percentages in the league under pressure this season at 43.7%, but uh, all four of his picks under pressure came in the first half of the season. Since week 10, he's completing 47% under pressure. If you adjust for throwaways, being hit while throwing, drops, all the normal stuff you, you throw out with adjusted completion percentage, Baker is completing 80% of his passes under pressure since week 10. That's first in the NFL. And there is stuff. I've loved how you've done a lot of that in this analysis, Scott. There are some things statistically with the Browns that when you talk about year-long stats, you throw them out because they're so different to say whatever, wherever you want to draw the line. First mm-hmm. half, the second half, is it is it you know the, the Steelers game, that terrible loss? Is it that game and everything forward and everything since then? But when you talk about that, like since they've become themselves, since Baker figured it out, since Chubb and Teller got back healthy, right? All this stuff. And then when you mention those stats, they always, right? Well, they're seventh with this, but in this shorter period of time, they're third. Or they're, they're like where they are in the second half of the season as an offense, they're doing almost everything well. They know exactly who they are. And that's what they're taking to Kansas City. All right, great deep dive from Scott Patsko on the Browns. Offense and how they will attack the Chiefs. Next up on Gotta Watch the Tape, Ellis Williams. What's the Browns defense going to do to slow down Kansas City? Back on Gotta Watch the Tape. Make sure you're listening to the Orange and Brown Talk podcast here in this feed. I don't want to speak out of turn, but I'm pretty sure we're getting like a bonus pod 
uh, on Saturday. I think we're going to have a little extra Mary Kay Cabot breakdown with her thoughts, everything that she is thinking about this game. So make sure you tune in for that one. I think that'll be a little weekend drop to really help get you geared up for Sunday. Uh, but let's do more gearing up with this Browns defense. Ellis Williams, dive in on stopping the Kansas City Chiefs. All right. On Wednesday, has got to watch the tape. We highlighted a plethora of problems the Chiefs offense creates. Today, I want to walk through ways in which they create those problems and simply starting with what is it that the Chiefs want to accomplish aside from scoring points. Of course, that's the point of the game. Kansas City wants to stress and really flex their speed, their overall athleticism and speed, both vertically and horizontally. Vertically, it's the Tyreek Hill, Tyreek Hill long ball, which we talked about on Wednesday. I'm going to bring it up again later. Or it's horizontal stuff. You get in man coverage. They're going to run crossers. They're going to run man beaters. There's jet motions you got to worry about. They're fast, and they're just simply better than your opposing defense. That's what they're going to bet their money on, and good for good reason. They show off their speed to score touchdowns. It's really that simple. As we've detailed, this team hasn't won a game by more than 10 points since week eight versus the Jets. We've repeated that Kansas City set an NFL record this year by winning its past seven games by one score or less. But I think it's really, really, really important to remind everyone that last year in the same exact playoff game, the AFC Divisional Round, this team overcame a 21-point deficit in the first quarter. They were down 21 points to the Houston Texans. And then in the second quarter, they scored 28 points. That's four touchdowns, and they did it in 10 minutes. Patrick Mahomes threw all four of those touchdowns. Travis Kelsey caught three of them. They won that game 51-31. Simply, they're the Golden State Warriors, you know, the 2005-2016 Golden State Warriors where that run can happen at any time. And we've I just want to take a quick pause because we've spent so much time talking about how this could be a rusty – Chiefs offense, or they might take a second to find themselves. And we get caught up in the fact that, yeah, they haven't won a close game in this long. It's been since week eight. And then when I was preparing for this dive, I just, I looked at the box score for that Texans game. And then it took me back to watching that Texans game. Do you guys have, do you guys recall that game at all? I mean, Patrick Mahomes scoring 28 points, four touchdowns in 10 minutes, and they win by 20. It's worth reminding people, right? That this, this is possible. Like they, they might just erupt Sunday. Right. Scott, go ahead. I'm thinking about something yeah. else I want to talk about. It was, I, I very, I very much remember that game and it was like watching the Steelers and the Browns last week, except, you know, sure. it was, it was a team on the losing and they had the capability of coming back quick and just blowing by, uh, you know, the team that, that, that rushed out to that league, but just so many things went wrong in the beginning of that game uh, for the chiefs. And yeah, that was, that was a wild, uh, it was a wild thing to watch because it was like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Again, similar to, to what happened to the Steelers. So, yeah, getting out to a big lead this week against the Chiefs, look, at this point in the season, the Browns know that no big lead is safe with their defense, but it would be even more so the case if they did it this week against the Chiefs. Right, and, and the craziest part about all that, Scott, is they took the lead by halftime. The Chiefs did in that game. You know, it's not like they needed to get into the third quarter. They had the lead by half. I just, I, I had to just take a pause there because it just, it took me back last year. Doug, were you going to say something? Does any, did anyone call dibs on comparing the Browns Chiefs game to the Cavs Warriors 16 NBA finals? 
and how in the previous finals, like they didn't have love and Kyrie and then they got healthy for that finals and they had everybody and the warriors are like the cat. Like you said, the chiefs are kind of like a three point shooting team and the Cavs had to work a little harder for it. It It all came together at the end of the year. I'm telling you, if somebody from the chiefs kicks somebody from the Browns in the crotch on Sunday, I am in. That's where my head is right now. I might so you're saying, see, I, I've always gone with the thinking that the Cavs would have won in 2015 if they had been at full strength. So what you're saying is that if, is that the, the Browns should be the favorite to win the Super Bowl this season? And if well, I'm the only reason to... they can't is if they, they don't have players on the field? Well, like last year, so the Cavs didn't have Kyrie and Love in the finals, but they, the Browns didn't have Miles at the end of last year, and they didn't have the real Baker because Baker had lost his mind by them. So all they had was Chubb, who's like LeBron, and now this year they have Miles and Chubb and Baker. That's their big three, and Freddie Kitchens is David Blatt, and Kevin Stefanski is Tyron Lue, and if you want me to keep going, I will keep going. We birthed a Doug column. We, we did it again. I told you, just keep talking and I'll eventually come up with something uh. to write. Okay. So, um. but, but yes, but this, and this is the thing I want to get to, but the Chiefs as the Warriors, I love that idea. I mean, that, that's much more, you don't have to go as far to make the comparison as I tried to go with the Cavs and the Browns. That's a great comparison, Ellis. Right. And I guess I would rather frame that comparison in the idea that Okay, the Browns get blown out, sure. But I started this week by saying the Chiefs aren't unbeatable. We're going to lay that out, and now here we are. I What the Browns need to realize is that keeping it close is really all that matters. Getting to that fourth quarter and having it be a ball game is really all that matters because in the back of your mind, if you give them – if you punt the ball two series in a row, you know, you're allowing that. 12-0 run, that 15-0 run that the Warriors are capable of. So back to the dive. How do they do this? How do they accomplish these things? Well, first of all, it's the Tyree Kill long ball. I'm probably going to say it 10 more times with this podcast. He's the ultimate game wrecker. We talked about it on Wednesday. Yeah, but when teams are able to negate that, they've also got other options. Sammy Watkins is one, one thing I want to say about Sammy Watkins. That we really got to watch his status. I don't know if he practiced today or not. Um, he's been questionable throughout the week. Interesting stat here. Did you guys know Sammy Watkins was the Chiefs' leading receiver through the playoffs last year, through their Super Bowl run? Hold on one second. He's out. He's out. out. Yes. Okay. And really, I was kind of preparing for that because I will say that puts a lot of pressure on now their new number three receiver, McCall Hartman, uh, who has the vertical speed uh, of, of a Tyreek Hill. I mean, he is technically slower, but these are two of the fastest guys in the league. What he isn't is a complete receiver like Sammy Watkins is. And that's why Sammy Watkins has been so pivotal for this team and an embarrassment of riches, a guy that won't be on this team next year because that Pat, Patrick Mahomes uh, highest paid quarterback in football money is going to start kicking in. Those are the luxuries when you pay a guy 45 million a year that are going to start disappearing. Sammy Watkins was the guy that when you doubled Tyreek Hill, when you were able to be physical with Travis Kelsey, the deep safety took away Hardman's vertical Sammy Watkins could win in space and he's going to beat up on your number three corner. And now he's not there. That, that's a great sign for the Browns. 
I don't want to say that Hardman isn't capable of it. Uh, he had a four-catch, 81-yard performance and a touchdown against the Baltimore Ravens this year. That's a notoriously physical man coverage type of team. So he can do it, but he is a downgrade from, from Sammy Watkins. Another way they accomplish these scoring feats, again, explosive plays, getting Travis Kelsey up the seam or hitting those deep corner routes that stretches the field and incites his 12, 15, 20 yard gains. And we're going to get into the counter of all this soon, but assuming that the Browns are able to eliminate those big plays, like at this level, a competent defense must, it becomes their red zone efficiency. And there's arguments we made that the chiefs were bored this year, whatnot, regardless, they finished 13th best in the, the NFL and because, and that includes a week 17 game in which Patrick Mahomes didn't even play that data. Um, so I think just with them being the defending Super Bowl champions, Andy Reid, play designer, you can expect that they were converting in the red zone at like a 70% clip this season. You can expect that to be ramped up a little bit. You know, this is going to be the type of team that when they get in the 20-yard line or so, they're going to punch that in. I think the Browns have to go into this game expecting that. Holding this team to even one field goal and one punt feels like a, is going to be a big win. So – when it comes to this offense in general, it's the speed both vertically and horizontally, and then their creativity in the red zone. So how can the Browns counter that offensive game plan? Again, the number one game record in football, Tyreek Hill. you got to play two-man high. What was really encouraging, I thought, about the Steelers' win, aside from you know everything the offense did and the, the start that that team had, there were some – really bright spots in the Browns flexibility as a defense in general, Joe Woods played a bunch of cover two, which is something they haven't been doing a lot this year. Uh, and it, it allowed them to sit on the Steelers short routes while still having coverage deep. And that's something that you got, you have a, an option to deploy that once again, now against the chiefs, either way, playing two high safeties, every single snap because a Tyree kill means you're really left with running one of three defenses cover two. Like I've mentioned cover four, like I mentioned on Wednesday, or they can do a, a, a sort of uh, cover two match, which is really just man coverage underneath with your two safeties high over. And that's what I expect on third down, this Browns defense, like a lot of defenses in the league, lean on man coverage on, you know, third and medium. It just, you know, we're going to be in your face. You know what we're getting and we're just going to beat you get off the field here. That's, so that's what I expect to see, especially early in this game, cover two match on third down and then the cover fours to get them there. And what that means is that the Chiefs are going to be facing light boxes. I expect the Browns to truly invite some early runs. You know, there, there's theories out there. You, you can you can read it. You can find some stuff on Twitter that the Chiefs kind of just run, it feels like, to run. They don't really want to. And you can't blame them for that. They're like a – they run the Eagles offense, but they're really good at running the Eagles offense. Like Doug Peterson thinks he can just throw it all over the yard. Sorry, that, that lost your job. The, the Chiefs can do that and at times just run because it feels like they should sprinkle one in or Andy Reid's going to get asked about it in the postgame all the time. But I think that's a good uh, idea for the Browns to try. Invite those early runs. Challenge them because those are really going to be free yards if the Chiefs take them, but the question is, will they take it? The one thing I am worried about in the run game, however, Tyree Kill on those jet sweeps. It's something they've shown at times. The Browns have been – it, the Browns haven't really faced it. I, I feel like, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I got to go back to almost like the Cowboys game to think of like CD lamb on the outside and the issues that they had at times there, because I don't think there's really been a dynamic 
a slot guy, if you will, even though Hill plays everywhere, who's been able to stretch the Browns like that. So I am a little concerned about, even though when you have those two high looks, what what is going to be their answer to Tyreek Hill on those Jets? And then, again, on third down, that man coverage is what I'm really interested to see. And then as we get into, as I unpack this deep dive a little more, I think Joe Woods is going to have to take some risks. Before I get to that, I'm wondering, you guys, is this does this feel like a, a game plan or a, a, a formula that you're confident in a, a too high type of look? And it does it give you some more reassurance knowing that the Browns just did this to the Steelers last week, playing too high and cover two. And Joe Woods was the passing game coordinator for the Niners last year against this Chiefs offense in the Super Bowl, And they held him in check for about three quarters. You know, that combination of stuff, does that, at least soften the Goliath idea that this chief's offense is just going to hang 70 on the Browns. Uh, it's not the scheme that has me worried. <laughs> like congr- good luck. Scheme yeah. it up, Joe scheme away. I just don't think they have enough dudes. It's great to have Denzel Ward back, right? Great to have Ronnie Harrison. only played 11 snaps last week. If he's more back to full strength, I just still, I just still see scenarios where they it's a it was a good scheme call and there's Andrews and Deho and it didn't quite get there and 80 yards there you go. Yeah, I was listening to uh, Chris Collinsworth's podcast this week. Uh, Richard Sherman is I guess on there all the time, and he said you know they they had a good scheme against the Chiefs and it worked for three quarters and then you know a guy blows a coverage and you know then things kind of fall apart but uh, but it was a good scheme and. One thing that Collinsworth pointed out uh, is that he talked to Joe Woods during the week, I'm sure, in, in prep for, uh, for the broadcast. And he told him that he, according to Collinsworth, Joe Woods said, here's what's going to happen in this game. Uh, the Steelers are going to throw 50 times. We're not going to get beat deep, but we're going to win. So it was, and, and that's pretty much what happened. I heard it described this week as death by a thousand paper cuts. That's what the Browns are trying to make the Steelers do. And, you know, that, that sounds like a, a viable, well, maybe not viable is the word, but an understandable scheme against the, against the Chiefs. Try to make Patrick Holmes be patient, I guess. Take away the long ball and, and see if you can just survive whatever they throw at you in the run game. Feels like a great week to have a great safety, right? That would be very helpful. Like, can Ronnie Harrison play that kind of game? I don't know. Right. Can they, I mean, I, I don't know if they're going to play two deep safeties most of the time and he'll be one of them back there. Can he make that play that kind of game? Maybe. So I just still, or, we have to, we have to be cognizant of one through 11. This defense hasn't had the dudes all year. So, I mean, like we have to be realistic about that. And now they're playing the most dynamic quarterback and most dynamic deep threat in the league. So we, and we are of it. And I'm sure you're going to get into that more, but you know, but again, you don't stop them. You just have to stop them once or twice in key situations. And that might change the game. Working in their favor is the fact that this is, they're going to have available the best version of this defense this week outside of Olivier Vernon, which I mean, that loss shouldn't be overlooked, but everything else you're getting the, the best possible version. You're giving yourself an opportunity to put the best combinations you've had all year out there. So they got that going for them. Yeah. And I think, no, go ahead, Doug. No, the only thing I just I wonder about and just from a health standpoint and everything is like not every guy who for the Browns who's come back from COVID has been himself in week the first game he's back. And so That's I true. wonder 
what Denzel Ward will be like, how many snaps he'll be able to play, how close to himself he will be. He's so valuable to them, but I just don't know what the chances are of having like a hundred percent of Denzel. Yeah. And I'm, I'm really deflating my own argument here, but I said it on the pick spot yesterday. This defense played a ton of snaps versus Pittsburgh. You know, Terrence Mitchell played all 90 miles. Garrett was in the mid eighties. And I just wonder that I'm not worried about this defense coming out flat to start, but you know, that last drive at the end of the second half, early in the third quarter, you know, it's a short 10 minute halftime break. Those last two drives in the fourth quarter, I just wonder where the the energy, the, the gas on this team's going to be. Not because they're poorly conditioned. I'm just telling you, eventually you hit a wall. Think about the Miami Heat last year in the finals, that that meme of Jimmy Butler just exhausted resting there for a second. You, you hit a wall eventually. So that might just be, that's not X's and O's. That's not got to watch the tape stuff. That's just humans hitting a breaking point because i mean they, they played a ton of snaps in pittsburgh okay so the browns are the jimmy butler bam at a bio heat and the chiefs are the lebron davis lakers but who's rondo okay i'll work it out go ahead <laughs> now we're talking a part two column we're gonna have a whole series on <laughs> nba nfl comp. i love it um all right so i i think but i like what scott said there about how the Browns are going to get the best version of this defense and that bringing up how Richard Sherman really believed in the scheme that they had, because when you take those two components, it means there's now room to grow and there's ways to do that with this defense that we've teased on gotta watch the tape before too, just wanting more out of Joe Woods. Like we know that you, you like playing your quarters coverage and you rush for, and you, you play coverage and, but do you have something else? Can we see something else? And last week there was a little bit of that. And now this week I'm wondering, is this the time where Joe Woods starts taking some risks? Cause I, I think it's going to be necessary to get that coveted punt or two or cheese turn Patrick Mahomes over, which would just be game changing. Assuming the Browns offense can capitalize. I highlighted a rep in the Atlanta chiefs game. I think it was between it was week 15 in the story I wrote this morning about how the Browns can solve some of the issues Patrick Mahomes possesses or creates. I mean, on third down, essentially what the look was, was the Falcons had four down linemen and were showing interior pressure with their linebackers. And they had a slot corner on the field because the chiefs were in their 11 personnel as they usually are at the snap. The Falcons dropped their, one of their defensive tackles to the right side of the field into coverage to take the hot route, which was a Sammy Watkins, like short hitch route away from Patrick Mahomes. A hot route is anything a quarterback must throw when a blitz comes. Like if it was a blitz, they didn't anticipate, or even when they did anticipate the hot routes there, a check down, get rid of the ball. Usually you get a big chunk play out of it next play. So they take that away, which is important because I'll get to it. And then the two blitzing linebackers, they showed, and the internal gap actually dropped into deep zone coverage, which Patrick Mahomes wasn't expecting. And then they had their slot corner who did not tip the playoff blitz and Mahomes wasn't ready for that either. And the possession all it did was end in an incompletion. But my point is, is it is, those are the type of reps you're going to need to catch Patrick Mahomes off guard for this reason, because yes, he's Patrick Mahomes, all the numbers, all the data backs that up. But during these, uh, high stake type of games. I like to, when I can listen to other networks, podcasts, you know, like the, the chiefs podcast, some sports nation guys, whatever, just 
guys who are around this team. And they made they brought up a, a point I didn't know about Patrick Mahomes this week. During wildcard weekend, Patrick Mahomes prepared three scouting, three separate scouting reports for what would it have been the Colts, the Ravens, and the Browns, not knowing who he'd play, but he had detailed reports ready for all three in anticipation. And now he's ready for the Browns. So my point is, is they went on this long rant about how Patrick is one of the most prepared and film study and intelligent quarterbacks in the league, plus the extra motivation of just kind of hearing how people think the Chiefs will start slow and all these things. And then I got to realizing after like it's Wednesday or Thursday and I've been listening to this podcast daily, I'm like, huh, they're starting to sound like people who cover the Browns talking about the Chiefs offense and how they're going to come out on fire and crush the Browns. And we make the case that the Browns offense is going to be able to score points and maybe the defense gets some stops. It's going to be a close game. So I'm just wondering if Chiefs writers listen to Browns podcasts the way I was listening to Chiefs podcasts this week, do you think we'd all land in a happy middle of this is actually going to be a close game? Because I'm telling you, in Kansas City, they're pretty convinced that this Chiefs offense comes out on fire because Patrick Mahomes is ready to play and that the Browns is the Browns. Is that kind of just like, you know, I'm, I'm kind of new to this stuff. Is that just kind of the nature of the beast that when you're on the beat, you're close to it and that's how it gets projected? So you're saying they think the Chiefs are going to roll? Yeah. 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 No, I always think if you're on the beat, you should see all the flaws in your team. You should think less of your team than anybody else does because everybody sees the good, but you should also know all the bad. And then without taking into account that everybody has bad. So, I mean, I just said that because I've been doing that for Ohio State for 16 years. I'm always like, oh, God, Ohio State. And it's like, they have the best players. And it's like, yeah, but their third their third guard is not that good, you know, because you know all the details. So I do think that surprises me a little bit that they're there, but they're spinning not only the personnel stuff, but like the nobody believes in the Chiefs. They think they've played these close games. Don't doubt Patrick Mahomes, like the Chiefs as Super Bowl champs have a chip on their shoulder. That's what they're saying. They really are because – where it's coming from is exactly what you said, all the close games. And then they made some note about how Patrick Mahomes, you know, lost a, a got a second team vote for all pro and had to share that with Josh Allen. And, you know, I guess you're trying to just look for the slights where you can find them. But what I took away from it was the preparedness of Patrick Mahomes combined with this team really listening to the outside noise for 20 days because they haven't played in a, about a month that everyone thinks they're going to start slow. And I guess all week Patrick Mahomes has been on it and saying it vocally in his pressers that we're going to be, we're going to start fast. We're going to start fresh. So if there's no dip early, I don't know. I don't know if that changes the way we feel about this game, but it, it, it made me think twice. Cause I've been pretty convinced that they were going to start slow. Now, when you hear the quarterback talking like, Nope, we hear what you guys think. We're not doing it. I don't know if I'm just getting lost in the clutter of all the talk going on with this game, but if the chiefs go touchdown, 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 and the Browns don't answer, you can see how this gets dicey based on what I'm laying out in this dive and the, in the fact that, yeah, there, it's probably going to have to be death by a thousand cuts, but this is going to be a game where they get what they want underneath and are going to be efficient in the red zone. So I don't know. I might just be lost in, in the clutter here, or this is, actually a game where it's going to be way more Ravens Browns than it's going to be Steelers Browns like last week. 
Yeah, I don't think Browns week one or Ravens Browns week whatever. There's two Ravens Browns. Yeah. Monday night, Monday night football. Yeah. No, that's my head's more there than anything. Like that, that to me seems like the most comparable game uh, that what's already happened. That could be what this looks like on Sunday. Um, Okay. So, so where are you on? So Mahomes in the pocket, Mahomes in the pocket, keep him in the pocket. That sounds like Miles stuff, doesn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I, I talked about this on Wednesday, but I have to just continue to stress how important rush lane integrity is going to be. Quite frankly, I think it's going to decide this game for the defense. Keeping Mahomes in the pocket is the best way to bother him. Uh, on Wednesday's podcast, Scott found the, the stat about when Mahomes has two and a half seconds or more to throw, he's completing just 56% of his passes. He has five interceptions. He also has 20 touchdowns over that stretch. But, you know, for the sake of the argument, we, we have to pull the good data points where we can for find For the sake of the argument, ignore the touchdown passes. <laughs> ignore the 20 <laughs> touchdowns. <laughs> well, I, I said it out loud, didn't I? <laughs> At least you're honest about it. I appreciate that. Right. But I, there is something there to it. When you watch the tape, when you go back and watch that Atlanta game, um, it, it's not just, you know, having – two and a half seconds or more to throw. And he has a 56% completion percentage. He had a 56% completion percentage for that entire game. Atlanta really found some ways to get after him. And it goes back to what I said about Joe Wood taking some risks. You need to show. And that's why I brought up the, the part about how prepared Patrick Mahomes is because if he knows your tendencies and you, he knows what you're going to get, he's just going to dice you up. So this is the game where you just, if your team isn't comfortable doing it, that's one thing, but it's a whole nother thing. If you're just not a risk taker in general, I'm really hoping Joe Woods this week has his guys ready and has installed some stuff that we haven't seen yet. You know, guys who've watched every game who've been on the speed, just haven't seen. They should flirt with sending. I, I know Doug, you said, they know, this is miles stuff with rush lane integrity. They have to flirt with dropping miles in the coverage at times. They have to get exotic here. If they're going to try and, and, and shake stuff up because when you give Patrick Mahomes what he's expecting, he's, he's going to carve you up. And it goes again back to, as I started this rush lane integrity, allowing him to break the pocket to freelance downfield. This team lives off secondary plays where they can just play backyard football and, and tear it up because unless Patrick Mahomes has pressure in his face with four, so you can drop seven, have pressure with four, or simulated pressure where you still send only four, but you're dropping Miles Garrett and sending a slot safety or a slot corner, that simulated pressure, but it's still four, so you have seven in coverage. That can mess him up at times. Again, you got to show him stuff he hasn't seen. Atlanta did a really good job of knowing Kansas City's tendencies more than Patrick Mahomes knew theirs because, again, they came in with a completely different game plan. Do I think you're going to get the best – of do I think that the chiefs are going to run stuff that they've been running all year and the Browns are going to be able to consistently stop it? No, because this is the chiefs offense and Andy Reid's going to have plenty of new wrinkles, but when you can get pressure with four, mix up your looks. And then quite frankly, you're going to just have to hope Mahomes is a little off. You're just going to have to hope that ball sails slightly higher was a little low. And because this is the team that isn't scared to get into third and twelve. But all of a sudden, if that play on third and 12 doesn't work, 
Well, now they're punting. And it really is what this game is going to come down to. It, it's Doug's first uh, – when he got excited there with his little mini rant about how, you know, one down influences the down and distance, which then influences the series, which then influences the game. It's going to be those those critical moments that you have to just try and find Patrick Mahomes a little off. I, I'm curious. What do you guys think about throwing – I want at the end of the spot, I want to get into some game theory and how the – just overall how they have to win. But I mean, you got to just throw the kitchen sink, right? If you're Joe Woods, you, this is the type of game where if you send an all out blitz, like they did versus the Ravens that Lamar Jackson carved up for that touchdown at the end of the game, you're not going to look like the fool in the presser after the game, because this is the chiefs, right? No, it, it does feel like that, that to have a, a, a an average or below average defense, just sit back and wait for the most explosive offense to pick you apart. Um, Cynthia Freeland from the NFL Network, who I think is a really good analytical follow on Twitter. She just had a thing and I, I'm paraphrasing it. The Chiefs in eight games this year, they had eight games where Mahomes was pressured on at least 20 percent of the snaps. And their average margin of victory is only like six points in those games. And then they had eight games where he wasn't pressured on at least 20%. And their average margin of victory was like two touchdowns in those games. And again, on the Scott Patsko, the everything we're saying about small chunks of Browns late in the year, the Browns since week 11 have been getting pressure on the quarterback on 31.2% of dropbacks. And that's third in the NFL. So yeah. whether it's miles now, Olivier Vernon probably had a lot to do with that before he got hurt, but whether it's miles or whether it's Sheldon Richardson or whether it's blitzers, there's you have to get pressure on him, right? So Ellis, whatever it takes, whether it requires risk or just a great effort from the four man pass rush, you've got to get pressure on the guy. Scott, do you like is that is that a must? He totally stole the stats I was gonna throw out. Oh I, oh. I saw that too. I'm a stat <laughs> stealer now. You guys, this this whole podcast, you just see other I just saw a video and I froze the video and read the stat. I could be in analytics. I, I had that on my phone here, ready to ready to unleash. One thing, another thing that they had on that on that video that I think is worth noting is uh, in that Raiders game that they lost, uh, Mahomes was four of thirteen with a pick under pressure. So pressure does work against him. If the Browns do get crazy and throw a lot of blitzes, it's really going to go against everything we've seen from Joe Woods because they've only blitzed twenty one percent of the time, which is third least. I don't have that broken down by weeks, but overall, that's what that's what the Browns have been this season. So if they do come with, quote unquote, exotic blitzes, I, I don't know why weird blitzes need to be called exotic, but they are. That's the term that everybody uses, exotic blitzes. Um, I think it's because of that Tiger King show. Maybe. Just started this summer. But it will. I mean, that's going to be something, obviously, the Chiefs haven't seen because the Browns just just don't do that very often. So we know, I mean, Kevin Stefanski is the head coach, Joe Brown's the defense, Joe Woods is the defensive coordinator. Do you imagine this conversation, like whether it's Stefanski saying to Joe, hey, man, let it all hang out, or Woods coming to Stefanski and saying like, hey, I'm thinking of letting it rip because like, what else? Why not? Like, is that is that where they should come around on this, Ellis? The two of them together? Philosophically, let it all hang out. If they're going to beat us, Let's at least try to try to throw something at him rather than just sit back and let it happen. Yeah, I'm confident these conversations are happening in Berea because it, it also matches Kevin Stefanski's philosophies offensively. You know, he's he's always the aggressor, he's always the puncher. And in a game like this, you have all the more incentive to be that on defense. And I 
to Scott's point about them becoming this exotic blitz team and playing out of character, I, I don't expect that. And I don't think anyone does. It's in those moments when you need to just throw a wrinkle in there. We earlier, I talked about what I expect on third down. They're going to play too high with man underneath. Well, that's the perfect time to show man all of a sudden throw a, a corner blitz and you're in zone all of a sudden. And it, it's, third and eight and Patrick Holmes isn't ready for it. It's just going to have to be in those little moments where you play out of character, you get off script, if you will, for a defense, because that's really the best way to be advantageous against such a cerebral quarterback who also has all the weapons in the world on his side. All right. We're getting a little long. Cause it's, you know, it's a big game. It's a big pod. Let's keep this, the chiefs that might have a big game. Let's keep this tight. Then we'll take a quick break and then we'll come back at the end with your, how you actually think, and we can all talk about how we think this game is going to play out. But who, who are the Chiefs that are really on, on alert here, Ellis? Yeah, when you start formulating this game and just playing it out in your head, you, you start realizing that there's going to be guys that just get what they're going to get. This is going to be a Travis Kelsey game. He's going to have seven, eight, nine catches. I wouldn't be surprised if he has double-digit catches. He's going to go for over 100 yards. The key is keeping him out of the end zone, like, any defense, keep him out of the end zone, but he's going to get those yards in between the 20s. You can't take everything away. And then watch out for Le'Veon Bell. We don't know what's going on with Clyde Frog yet, but just in general, I think this is going to be a game where they take those yards early and then Le'Veon's just a guy that is the veteran, trusted in pass protection, a, a guy who's going to get 15 carries, take what's there, and then make some plays in the passing game. I think those are the two names to watch, assuming the obvious guy like Tyreek Hill doesn't kill them. Man, how can anyone not be fired up, right? I, I like you listen to national podcasts and stuff, and I mean, maybe maybe it'll be right, but it's like I think you know people are really fired up for Josh Allen versus Lamar Jackson, right? That seems like a great matchup, and people really in, are intrigued by that. And the Tom Brady Drew Brees game, right? Like people are really in, in, intrigued by that. I think this game nationally is getting a little short shrift, and I think it it does depend on how much you believe in the Browns or not. Can they compete? Can they hang? But man, if you have any inkling of like what the Browns really do well and how good their dudes are, man, this is a great game. I mean, it really is. I, I hope I hope not too many people are just brushing this off as like, ah, 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 Mahomes by 17. You know what I mean? Because I think it's much more interesting like that. We'll get into all of that, how it actually might unfold, how the Browns can win. That'll be our final thoughts after this. It's Doug. It's Scott. It's Ellis. It's got to watch the tape. All right, back to wrap this baby up. Ellis will be in Kansas City on Sunday with Dan and Mary Kay. Uh, Scott and I will be watching and writing and ready to roll. We'll all be on the post-game podcast. It's going to be a rollicking post-game pod. And it's good because it won't be in the middle of the night. So that's nice. This is, this is better. We've had some late-night games here for the Browns lately. So make sure you're listening to that post-game podcast on Sunday where we'll break all of this down. And then we'll come back with at least gotta, at least one got to watch the tape next week. And if they win and they're going to the AFC Championship, we're doing five got to watch the tapes next week. You guys good with that? You guys can look oh, yeah. stuff up every day. Come on. Yeah, we're, we're paid overtime, right? I'm, yeah, we got yeah. that. You Sleep work for free. Rated. It's so exciting. You just work for free to cover a champion. All right, Ellis, we'll start off with you here. What is the formula here? How how does this actually play out that the Browns can win? Yeah, so I'm writing this tonight. You know, I think there's three, four key ways the Browns pull this off. And since me and Scott just had some longer dives, I'll try to keep this short. First, control the ball. That doesn't mean run only. Scott laid out in his dive 
excellently that this is going to be a mixture of run and pass. They got to stay aggressive, but it's got to be like the Giants game, 10, 11, 12 play drives, take the time off the clock, but they're going to still throw. Secondly, you got to make the Chiefs earn every touchdown. It's going to the same thing I just said about the Browns, same thing for the Chiefs. Prove, make them prove they can go 10, 11 plays and get in the end zone. And then when they do do that, the Browns must respond with the exact same style of drive. And then lastly, it goes to what I said about the defense, but it applies to the whole team in general. Empty the bag. There should be no surprises left to save. Don't worry about playing for tomorrow. This isn't me telling Kevin Stefanski or, or Alex Van Pelter, Joe Woods that. They know it. Browns fans understand that there's no plan for tomorrow. They got to do everything they think that can give them just the slightest edge to win this football game. Think about it. When's the last time we've seen Jarvis Landry throw a pass? How about a fake punt? I know that was week one. We haven't seen a fake field goal. I think they should go for it on every fourth down that's under seven yards or less, especially across the 50. And we've talked all year about that Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb package. If it exists, now's the time to show it, you know, maybe every snap in the fourth quarter. I don't know. But you can't have anything left in your bag after this one. Empty it. Give the defending champs all you got. You don't know when you're going to be able to have this opportunity again. I've been talking about it all week because there are obvious comparisons, I think, between the Ohio State-Alabama game and the Browns-Kansas City game. And there was that point, Ohio State and Alabama, they were trading scores early, and Alabama was up 21-14. The, the Ohio State got down in the red zone. They had a couple things that missed. They overthrew a guy in the end zone. They wound up like, a, I think it was fourth and goal from the six, and they kicked the field goal. And Ryan Day always talks about being aggressive, and it felt like, okay, in the moment, their running back was hurt. All right, well, you take the points to try that. And like it kind of was sort of over after that. It was like in the moment when it was like, well, we know field goals aren't going to beat Alabama. You know, field goals aren't going to beat Kansas City. Like you can't let the, well, you know, it's kind of long. Let's take the points and maybe we'll get a stop. No, you're not going to get a stop. So I like, I love the idea of like, whatever Kevin Stefanski has to do, tell the guy, right? I mean, whatever, your ops guy next to you, if I try to punt, on anything like fourth and eight or less, like tackle the punter. Don't let him run on the field. You know, like we can't in the moment back off. Like we've got to go full bore. Cause I sometimes, I think a, an underdog in the moment can lull itself into thinking, you know what? We are hanging around. We're hanging around. We don't have to let it all hang out. We'll let, we'll pull some of it back. And then you pull it back. And then the favorite's like, oh, thank you. 80 yard touchdown. So you have to live it all the way through. You have to live it all the way through. But what I do think, and the thing that's in my head is Chiefs score easy, Browns score hard. Then if we're talking about what they're just not as explosive in the past game, you got to put drives together again, not all running, but you, you march down, you march down. And then even if you do score, then the chiefs come out, it's like three plays, 58 seconds, touchdown. And at some point, it is. It's like shooting threes. If you have a really good three-point shooting team, if they're just going to make all their threes and you're working the offense and you're getting really – you're moving the ball and you're keeping up. But if they keep making threes from 30 feet, at some point you're like, oh, my God. And it just wears you down. So scoring hard, scoring easy. But sometimes teams that shoot threes have an off-shooting night. So all it takes is, hey, look, McCall Hardman did get behind Terrence Mitchell – and Mahomes missed him. And now they're punting. And now that score easy wasn't quite as easy. And that might be all it takes. But that does worry me a little bit of score hard, score easy. The Browns are going to work for everything. Because even when they get a Nick Chubb 38-yard run, they work for it. 
Here comes wide zone. Five guys hit their block perfectly. Chubb breaks two tackles. It's not just Tyree kills fast and Patrick Mahomes can throw it to the moon and that equals seven points in six seconds. So that does concern me a little bit. Score hard, score easy. Scott, I know we already did your thought because you thought I was going to short shift you, shift you on the shot. So do you have a second thought? Is that, is that where we are now? Yeah. I never know with Doug, so I've got to have a second thought in my back pocket. No, no I, I think um, when it comes to things that have to happen for the Browns to win the game, I, like you guys, I think that fourth downs, third downs are going to be huge. They have to be even more aggressive on fourth downs for all the things you just said, Doug. I think the fact that the Chiefs lead the league in yards per drive or second in offensive drive success rate, the, the, the field position game is – is futile. Don't don't fall into that trap because it doesn't really work against against the Chiefs. They're not great on stopping fourth downs, by the way. Um, they're in the bottom like five of the league. They're giving up about sixty. What is it? It is sixty five percent success rate for opponents going forward on fourth down against the Chiefs. So that's something to remember when the Browns are are facing those situations, and they're gonna in this game. But yeah, they need to match touchdowns and. However, they decide to move the ball, that whether whether it's putting together those ten play drives, or whether it's uh, passing down the field in four in four plays, they need to get into the end zone. I think that's the big thing. Get in the end zone, extend your drives with fourth downs, and yeah, you 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 open up the playbook in this. This is this is the Super Bowl this week <laughs> for the Browns. You're playing the defending Super Bowl champs. It, I, in theory, this is the best competition you're going to have. So, right, there's no reason to hold anything back. So much of this team is going to be back next year. This is not a team that's at the – I mean, you're talking, Ellis, right? I mean, the Chiefs are hitting a spot in their salary cap. They're going to have to lose some guys. I mean, all the important guys on this Browns team that are going to be on the field on Sunday are going to be on the field again next year. I think in let it all hang out loss – would be like a very good ending to this season. Of course, win the Super Bowl. That's the best thing. But like a, hey, even if it's a blowout, like the, hey, do we have each other's backs? Are we going to put it all out there? Are we going to run up the hill like in the face of adversity? And they have the, you know, they're shooting down on us from the top of the hill, but we're going up together anyway. Let's go down swinging is a great way to head into the offseason if this doesn't go the way they want it to go. But like, you can't lose a game where it's like, oh, I can't believe like Tomlin, the Mike Tomlin punt, right? I mean, like, how do you think the Steelers feel going into this offseason? They fired three coaches. We don't know what's going to happen with Ben. And they're going and saying, why did we punt there? We had the game in our hand and we punted. You can't have that. You can't have that. Let it all out. And then, man, if you get if you don't make it all the way up the hill, but you gave everything and you got everybody back next year, whoo, boy, that's a pretty good way to go into 2021. Yeah, Doug, what you're describing is confidence earned. When playing in games like this is gets you confidence that isn't bought by being on a GQ cover or being inside sports illustrated or talking yourself up or having guys on paper. This is confidence earned. It started in week 17. It really hit a a crescendo last week. And now we're going to see where it takes them. But regardless of how this game is played, and especially if what happens, what Doug's saying, this team is going to have all the momentum going to the off season that Browns fans would want. And I do think there is some value in the, it became very clear to us where we're not good enough. 
Because now you see, right, that even if it's like you lose by 20, we gave everything we had. We have nothing left. We gave everything we had and we lost by 20. And then you look at each other in the offseason and say, we thought we were good. We are good. We're not that good. But we know exactly how far we have to get this offseason. We have that much to make up. So let's go do it. I mean, there's a lot of, they've already, they're over, they've overachieved. There is nothing to lose. There's no shame. No matter what happens, they're going to feel good coming out of this. So let it all hang out. Let it all hang out. And no matter what happens in this game, a fun, a fun, uh, a fun thing to look forward to after the fact is that the Browns and the Chiefs play next, next season in the regular season. So it's going to be revenge for somebody and the Browns, if they lose this game, don't have to wait until the playoffs for another shot at the Chiefs. So that'll be that'll be a fun thing to. That's going to be a storyline. I guess it's going to it's going to happen one way or the other. I like it. I like it because they have the they have the AFC West next year. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. That's good. All right. That's diving, man. We woo, we dove on that. Um, thanks for hanging with us again. We're going to keep it going. We got to wrap up this season and analyze you know what went right what went wrong and we might be back here next week talking about um how the browns are going to defend either lamar jackson or josh allen as they try to go to the super bowl i can't believe those words just came out of my mouth what a world what a world real quickly real quickly i don't want to let the moment escape there where doug stole scott's stat you know like it took you know it's 19 weeks to get here with the browns offense 19 weeks later Doug's just like one of the Gotta Watch Tape guys. We might just have a Doug deep dive next week. We're here. We've arrived. You've arrived, Doug. You use stats now. And I let it all hang out. I'm stealing stats left and right. I didn't hold that in reserve. I just stole it. I just jumped right on Scott's point and stole it. Take that energy, Kevin Stefanski, and make this game yours. All right, we'll we'll talk to you guys soon. Have fun Sunday, man. Man, it's going to be fun on Sunday no matter what. Congratulations to every Browns fan who's been waiting for a game like this. Uh, You're here, and your team's got a shot. And, man, in sports, is there anything better than that? Your team's in a big game with a shot. That's all anybody ever wants. For Scott, for Ellis, I'm Doug. Thanks for diving in on Gotta Watch the Tape.